0: Good morning, church. Today, I am a happy man. Uh, yeah, thanks. For the guests, they're like, well, if he's not normally happy, the whole church is excited he's happy. Um, my, my, my entire family is here uh, this week, over the next several weeks, actually. My son at the end, Micah, who is 28 this month, and his lovely wife, Rachel, from Australia, and yeah, they're really asleep right now, you just don't know it, we've glued their eyes open, and they have uh, my two granddaughters, our, our two granddaughters, River and Rumi, River is an E-kid, she was just so excited to be in church this morning, an E-kid, so she's there, she's three years old, and then Rumi, Addie, will you stand and just show off Rumi, she's too beautiful to hide look at Rumi (laughs) she is just a sweetheart oh my gosh I've just fallen in love with both of them this week and I've only I've not been able to touch my granddaughters for three years Um, I've never this is the first time so seeing them at the airport was just amazing and um, do you want to say anything I'm sorry I'm talking do you want to say anything about Mike and Rachel's family
1: Like you, just thrilled that they're here. Um, I, I got to see River three years ago, so when she right after she was born and had not seen Rumi yet. So it was super, super exciting, and um, our hearts are just so full, yeah. so full. I think, I don't know how they're going to go back home, because we're not going to let them. Nope. So nope. Uh, that's probably going to be a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then uh, next to Rachel is Michaela. You guys know her. She's on team here, and... She's part of the worship team, and she's, she's in and out because they live, her and her husband, Lawrence, live in Nashville. So that's a lot closer. Um, having someone in Australia helps you realize just how blessed you are to have a set that's only in Tennessee. So we're glad that they're here, and their lovely son, Luca, he's just too handsome to keep hidden. Let's stand up, Kayla, and show Luca off. I am I'm a papa. And it feels, I just feel so wise right now. Uh, Today, we we just wanted to spend some time having kind of a family chat. And we want to talk about family. Last week, I started a series uh, called Building Blocks. And we're taking a look at the life of Joseph. And I told you last week that Joseph came from a pretty messy family. Um, We laid out that case. If you didn't hear that sermon, it's worth a re-listen especially if you ever feel like your family is a bit messy, go listen to last week. Um, this, this week will underscore that point. Um, one of the problems with panels is oftentimes, panel discussions like this is, the people speaking present themselves as the expert on the matter. And the, the truth is, none of us are experts. None of us up here are, are experts in doing anything right. Um, in fact, we're just not the authority We know God is the authority. And so that's, we're just, they've agreed, they've willingly agreed just to be a vessel this morning to talk about family, to be vulnerable and honest in what worked for our family, maybe what didn't work for our family, and, and how to carry on a Christian heritage. That's probably the number one question that Carrie and I get asked is, all five of your kids love the Lord, they love the church, you did something right. We didn't do, we did a lot of things wrong. But we must have done something right, and generally our answer is, it's the grace of God. We don't really know exactly what we did right, but thank God our five kids are yeah. serving the Lord in, in church. We asked Micah and Micah and Michaela to be up here with us today because they've moved out, started their own family, and now they're in the process of building Christian heritage in their own line. So they both expressed to me last night a hesitancy to sit before you and share because they just feel inadequate. But I assured them you're not looking at them as the expert today. You're looking to hear their story of what it feels like to be in process of being handed a heavy Christian heritage and then walking that out and and taking what's good and setting aside what you want to improve on and then passing that down to your kids. Because ultimately, it's every parent's dream for their kids to be better than we were. And so, you guys want to introduce yourself? Let's start with, answer this question. Tell us, uh, let's do, the first question is just give us a, a quick rundown on your Christian heritage, Rachel.
2: Hi, um, my name's Rachel, nice to meet you guys. Um, I grew up in Australia, and I guess um, to get right into it, my family, uh, I grew I just grew up in a in a Christian household um, where everybody in my family that I knew were, were Christian. So I guess I had to, <laughs> um, when I got into school, I, I had a realization um, in primary school that, oh, not everybody on earth is a Christian. Not everybody on earth believes in God. Um, and so I guess, yeah, it just was always my reality. God was always real. Um, and if we look, I guess, back down in the line on my mum's side specifically, um, she was from... The, the mountains in India, um, very far away from civilization, and they had missionaries that came over to their village and um, ministered to um, one of my grandfathers up in the line, um, and that's what saved that side of the family. Um, yeah.
0: Awesome. Lawrence, by, by the way, her accent just makes everyone feel closer to Jesus, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah, so I want to give my heart to Jesus right now.
3: <laughs> Lawrence! Yeah, uh, I think a lot of you know my parents are right over there. They they go to this church, but um, growing up, they were actually serving as missionaries uh, until I was about ten ish. Um, so I, I grew up around just uh, just Christian people, and um, and then uh, yeah. So there's just, there's just a lot of strong heritage there. I think my dad got saved by a missionary too. So uh, uh, so there's a lot of strong Christian heritage there too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank God for the missionaries. Now, Micah and Michaela. Mom and I are in your heritage line, so I'll just, we'll just acknowledge you have amazing parents. <laughs> um, rather than have them answer that, Carrie, talk about the, the lineage on your side.
1: Okay. So my um, I, I like to tell people that I grew up Luther aptecostal <laughs> <clears throat> because my mom's side of the family was Lutheran. My dad's side of the family was Lutheran. And my mom got saved through the Baptist, and then she got filled with the Holy Spirit through the Pentecostals. And so I can remember very clearly my mom's transformation as a little girl. And thank God. (laughs) That's what what I have to say. And she would say the same thing today. If she was here, she would say, thank God he saved me. Um, Because I saw her before my eyes just become this beautiful, much um, more loving, and just all-around better person, as a little girl, I saw that transformation. And so there's no doubt in my mind that when the Lord saves us and transforms us, that there's this real thing that happens. And um, so my mom was the only one on her side of the family that was a true believer in Christ. Um, she did often talk about a grandmother that prayed and really loved the Lord, and it really impacted her and so I think there's this grandmother that I don't know, a great-grandmother that I don't know, that prayed and had a close relationship with the Lord. And so I just I just have to say that grandparents are important. Like, even though children and grandchildren come way down the line, what grandparents do today is so important um, in what happens with our children and our children's children's children. Um, so anyway, my mom became a Christian, a believer, and... Um, Preached the gospel, loved the Lord, and raised all five of us kids in church. And my dad was not really a believer most of my life. Um, He is now. Uh, But I will say that three out of five kids, even in a family where one was a Christ follower and one was not, three out of five children in my family are pastors today. And so my mom did some really great, good, right things in our family.
0: And I'm so grateful for that. And again, it's just the grace of God. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing how God will transform the lives and hearts of people. Um, you know, so if you're sitting in the room and you feel like, Oh, I've really messed up as a parent, or I didn't raise my kids since the age of three, God's grace is sufficient to cover all of those shortcomings. So I just want to encourage you. My, my line, um, who, oh, I may be a little fuzzy on this, but I think probably the Christianity being born again, spirit-filled, really began with my grandparents. Uh, my grandmother, from what I recall, got saved first, my mom's mom, and she was on fire. She was one of those Pentecostals that jumped pews, if you know what that means, um, where everyone owned a tambourine in the church, and, and my grandfather, uh, they've both gone to relocated already to their home. Uh, But my grandfather got saved later, um, and then they brought all their five daughters to church. So my mom was raised in church. My dad, from what I understand, was the first in his family to become a believer. His dad, my grandpa, got saved a month. Was it a month before? Three weeks before he died. Um, So what an incredible, just what an incredible thing that he came to know the Lord that quickly. My granny... If you knew my granny, you know that she was a little spitfire. I know she knew Jesus, but sometimes uh, you, you just got on the wrong side, and she would let you know. She, then later in life, she would just cry at anything. She's so tenderhearted. Um, she, I would just walk in, and she would see my kids, and she would cry and tell me how blessed she was to be my granny. And she told me that about six times a week, crying every time. And just a wonderful lady. So that's, that's my heritage. And of course, you know my parents. Uh, we traveled and sang, and the heritage is really great on our side too. I want to read Psalm 127 real quick. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. By the way, watchmen in Bible times, watchmen were the people who were watching for the sword. So they were standing on the outskirts of the city, waiting for the attack, watching for the attack. And so, a watchman in the home or for the church that matter, if you're calling yourself a watchman, you're not so much um, you're not so much looking for the spiritual health of your family. You're looking for those things that are trying to attack your spouse, trying to attack uh, your kids, trying to attack your city. So. Um, the watchman stands in vain unless the Lord watches over the city in vain. You rise early and stay up late. Well, I don't have my glasses toiling for food to eat for he grants sleep to those he loves. Now here's where it gets really good. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. So that's where I want to head. I want to head into the heritage. You guys have been definitely a blessing to mom and I through the years, some years more than others. Um, But tell me, at what point, because I know as a kid, you look at the things we did and you may not see the effectiveness of it or the things that we deployed or employed as a family. From your perspective, may not have been as effective, whereas maybe it helped mom and I. We made them go to church. We made them go to youth camp. There weren't a lot of options in the spiritual realm for our kids. Um, If we were going, we were going as a family. But at some point, that faith had to become your own. And that's, that's what I want to hear about. When did you decide, no, I'm waking up every morning and I'm going to church because I have a relationship with Jesus and I need community? Talk about that.
4: everyone just looked at me okay hello everybody Um, I would say for me I was at the age of 15 Uh, we went on a missions trip and I had this radical God encounter basically changed my life forever and even after being 15 I still made mistakes I still was uh, known as the pastor's son uh, that didn't always get it right sometimes but I think um, I think what was so cool about, I might be answering a question early, that's okay, but um, what was so cool about my parents uh, was in my journey of getting to know God and getting to know Him as my Savior, what they did is, I know how you guys just said, you made us go to church, but the thing is, I never once felt like you made us go to church, and um, I think what's so beautiful about that is if you hear parents go, oh, I make my kids go to church, I think that's a great thing. But I think the perspective and outworking of that should be, we should be giving our children ownership of church. Because this is your church, but it's also our church. Yeah, right. And I think that's what you guys have done so well, is even though um, you made us go to church, we never felt like we were made to go to church. We were actually, this was our church just as much as yours. And, um, and so I think by giving us that ownership, it allowed us to grow. It allowed us to build our relationship with God in our own way. And not just living off of your personal revelation, but finding our personal revelation.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think I agree with that. I mean, there was never a point where you said, I'm not going to church. And I said, yes, you are. Like, that, it wasn't that. I think it just was who we were. It just was that it's Sunday. We're in the house of the Lord. We're, we're glad to be there. Yeah.
5: I think, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to break the rules like him um, and go off. But so I, I think to piggyback off of what he's saying I agree. Like right when you said we, we always went to church, we made them go to church. I, I too never felt like it was like a pulling teeth kind of thing. And I think what made the difference is I never saw you guys have an attitude of, Oh, we have to go today. I saw you tired from the work of the ministry. I saw you in tears from the work of the ministry, but I saw you getting up early for the work of the ministry and staying up late for the work of the ministry. And um, I know that you probably had your moments behind closed doors where you're like, Lord, is this your will for our lives? Really? But we didn't really see that growing up. It was, like, always um, presented as, hey, God is God is going to be there today. Let's go. Like, how fast can we get there, you know? And so I I really honor you guys for that because... I'm so grateful that I never had to wrestle with those feelings as a child of like, oh, I have to go to church. It was always, a, you know, a joy. It, it was automatic.
4: And we have this, sorry to bow we have this saying in our youth ministry that we um, look after, We get to, have to, get to. And it's this idea of, it's a privilege to get to go to church. And I think that's what you guys have carried. Yeah. We get to go to church. And because we get to go to church, we have to go. And because we have to do, go, it now isn't a uh wait, wait, what was the last part? Is it my doing opposite? Can you say it?
2: <laughs> it's it's you're right, but it's opposite. It's okay. have to get to have to. Have to
4: get to have to. That's right. Yeah. Obviously we need to work on our own sayings, <laughs> which is great. Um have to get to have to. So at first sometimes we feel like we have to, but out of getting right, out of getting that you know, uh uh what's it called, consistency of you know, oh, I have to go, then it becomes that, we, no, we get to be here. There's a privilege within it. And then now it's like, no, I have to be here. I can't leave. This is who I am. This is
0: in my DNA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
4: Um, that's, that's so ridiculous. yeah, have to, get to, have to. Not get to, have to, get
0: to. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the, one of the things too that mom and I tried to focus on, and I don't know how successful we were, but we tried not to ever talk bad about anyone in the church in front of you. Yeah. Didn't talk about the problems of the church in front of you. Um, we didn't use you as a sounding board. We did not at all want to taint what you experienced. And I know PKs have their own glass house to live in that everyone picks apart what they think or what they wear or whatever. Um, but we, mom and I tried to at least shield you from that so you would have somewhat an innocent view of the church.
3: Yeah.
0: Would would you say that overall that's been effective? Or, or did it create in you a shock factor when you got to see behind the scenes for yourself?
5: That's a great question. What,
0: what would you say? I would say no.
4: I, I think you guys did shield us for the most part. But I think what you guys also did well um, was it wasn't, um, I think you had a healthy balance of shielding us from what the things that, you know, we should, probably shouldn't have to see. But I think what you guys did well is, is what you owned is what we owned. You guys would always say, I remember when we were in College Station and you decided um, uh, to potentially launch this church. It wasn't just your decision. It was our decision.
0: Oh, my God. You know what you did, Micah? What? I don't remember. Listen, I'm scared. Listen, God told us that we were going to start a church. And I had already talked to my pastor. And so Micah somehow got it twisted that I was going to be the boss of that church. So he went around oh, yeah. telling everyone that This when, embarrassed
5: me and I was like seven.
0: <laughs> yeah, when Pastor Danny died, I was taking over the church.
5: <laughs> you told the bus driver that. Yeah. Right? And I was saying, no, that's not true. And you were like, Yes, it is. My dad is gonna take it over.
0: Yeah, so it got a little confusing. Oh my God.
4: But what I was saying was at the end of the day, I think I think you guys did a great job at including what was yours is ours. And so we did see the mess. Um, there's plenty of times here. I have funny stories here that I'm not going to share. Um, that I had just random people come up to me and and go off at me um, for the clothes that I wore. Or um, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to say the story because I don't know if they're still here. So <laughs> I'm going to be careful. But um, we did experience the glass house, mm. and I think it's healthy for people to experience that because if you guys just carry that burden, then that also is uh, a journey that we're not able to grow in and learn from. Um, because everyone has influence. Everyone has a certain amount of influence. And it's how we steward that influence. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys allowed us to learn how to steward the influence from an early age. Um, and and we made mistakes. I definitely did. Michaela was perfect. but um, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. I,
5: I think... And this may be a personality difference. Um, I think I struggle with thinking that things are better than they are. So (laughs) this has been a recurring theme in my adult life now of like, oh, my God, people can be that cruel or the world can be that evil. Seriously? You know, and um, and so I think I think I was shocked once I um, started seeing more. I did see some, some mess growing up, but I think it was age appropriate. You know, like Micah said, we didn't, we didn't see all of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think once I became an adult and was just carrying the weight of all of the criticisms and I've honestly had to work through a lot of anxiety around coming to church because I've felt, you know, like as a teenager, like, I'm going to say something wrong and someone's going to cancel me mm. and they're going to, you know, blow up my phone or my email or like spread all this gossip about me. And so I think it was a shock for me and I think I'm still working through some of it, to be honest. Yeah. But um, that's what God's for. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like nothing that that God can't carry you through and and heal your heart from and, you know. And I know I've hurt people and that's, that's, we're in this season as a culture of like church hurt, church hurt, church hurt, church hurt, And I'm not comfortable talking about how people have hurt me at church without first standing up and saying I've hurt people in church. Yeah. And so I think that that's the healthiest way to discuss it. Yeah. And so I, I'm saying that from a place of humility and not like, you know, I'm the only one that's been hurt, if yeah. that makes sense. So.
0: Rachel Lawrence, let me get back to the question. When did your parents' faith become your own? Rachel and Lawrence, sorry. Rachel's maiden name is Lawrence. So if I say Rachel Lawrence, it's a little confusing for our family. Rachel and Lawrence. I can go.
3: Um, I, yeah, for me, I can't, like, really think of a specific moment, but I, uh, it was actually, like, when we started going to this church. Uh, it was, I think I was, like, in middle school or something, um, but I think one thing that my kind of mixing questions as well, uh, I think my parents did a good job of like because uh, we, when we moved back to the States, uh, we like visited a few different churches and then went to one for a little bit, but they did a really good job making sure that we felt uh, very plugged in to whatever church we were going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they they noticed that like we really like were very engaged uh, when we started going to the exchange. And so um, I thought I, I think that they did a really good job of making sure that that we were really connected there, um, and so I, I I don't think we were like super involved right away, but it was a really cool journey of like, you know, we just started make, going every Sunday, and and make, and uh, and then we slowly started to serve, and then we started join, you know we were we joined the worship team and we did all these different things, and so it was kind of like a nice like, just like gradual like, uh, kind of like over my high school years like, going from like being pretty. Like, pretty far from God to being really, really close to God and uh, Him being there with me through all of, uh, all of the tough seasons and all the good seasons. So, uh, I feel like that was like a really, it was kind of like a gradual handoff, uh, I would say, for me. Right.
2: Um, I think for me, mine's pretty similar to everybody else's stories, and that my parents always, um, my dad was a, a worship leader, and he would kind of travel around to different churches and worship lead, and he'd bring me and my sister with him to be his little backup singers, um, and then my mom, um, when I was a bit older, she started um, being a traveling preacher around, um, and so they always did a really good job of bringing us bringing us into it. We always felt like we were a part of it. Every church that we were a part of, we were, we were singing or we were serving, or somehow we were um, just really injected into the community, and I think one um, really uh, valuable thing that I found that my parents would do for us to help that would help me find my own relationship um, was that they were very good at giving us the space that we needed um, when we did need to wrestle with things. they always provided like such a safe environment so when i when I turned eighteen that 's probably the the moment um, that, that that it happened, but they always just gave us a space. If I didn't want to, the rule was, you know, they would go to church every single week and that's what I grew up doing. But in the the couple of weeks where I was really struggling and I, I didn't want to go, they gave me the space to do that. But I also know, I always knew that every single morning my parents would cover us in prayer and they'd make sure that we knew that. And then on top of that, they would reach out to people in the community to kind of help us in a way that they maybe couldn't in that moment. So they'd reach out to a leader that they know that I really trust and they'd kind of let them know, hey, um, she just needs extra care right now in this season or or she's going through something and I'm not sure what. And I think those little things really helped me to, um, to find God for myself. I always knew, it, like no matter what I was struggling with, I always felt protected and I always felt like um, God is here and God is close with me. Even when I was kind of outworking, well, what does that look like for me personally? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was about, about when I was 18 in that kind of angsty teen <clears throat> gap. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Carrie, what do you think are some ways that you and I tried to intentionally, some like tangible things that you and I did to incorporate a Christian heritage in our family?
1: Well, I, going along with what they were saying, I know that we always included them, like when they were really young, like right. if there was someone in the church that we needed to pray for, we would bring little Michaela, who was two, Micah, who was four, come pray with us, we're praying for such and such, and so they always were involved in all of those things, and in ministry, and we believed that there was no junior Holy Spirit, and so they could lay hands on someone and see God answer, and we had, we helped instill that, I believe, in them. Um, Some other things that we did early on is we, um, the family unit to us was really important as mom and dad. And so we, um, we established core values, like five core values within our family that we thought were important. And um, we would have family meetings. And in our family meetings, we would instill those values through everyday life. Like we would talk about those things um if there if we felt like the family was kind of going in different opposite directions and we weren't really unified um it in the beginning we were like we have to have a weekly family meeting
0: but then there were times that you know life just gets crazy and don't commit to a weekly family meeting (laughs) just be like hey guys we're gonna meet tonight because then if you commit and you don't follow through it's not good yeah
1: and so um we would just say, hey, I think we need to have a family meeting. And we would just kind of come together and we would become more centered afterwards where we would become focused again. It would kind of unify us. Um, I've, I felt as, as mom uh, watching that it looked like it just kind of centered us again. Um, we would discuss some things like if there was a lot of arguing going on between siblings or whatever, um, that would be where we would talk about those things. Um, so we were very good with communication um, and, and talking about even the hard things. Like we, we, we always wanted our kids to be able to talk about the hard things.
0: Our kids always came to us when they did something wrong.
1: And I think that's one of the things people always were shocked about was that, um, there were things that they didn't know. And I'm sure there are things I, I don't know, but there were things that, that, that they didn't know until their kids were adults, you know, and they're like, wow, I wish they had come to me. Our kids did. Our kids just knew it didn't matter what it was. Yeah. Like I said, there might be some things I didn't come to us for, but I can confirm it's true. (laughs) But, um, they would, they would come and talk to us about the really personal hard struggles and things that they were dealing with. And, um, we would do whatever we needed to get them help or to help, you know, the situation and, Um, we were just
0: really good about being open with those things. I think you have to do what works for your family. And even within the family, it doesn't always appear to work with each individual. So a good example, I've been thinking more about this um, as the kids have been here and we've had some of these conversations. Like the five core values of the Rose Home, my kids would probably say, they would say, I'm not sure that that really provided much direction for me. Uh, that would be their framework as a kid, looking at family meetings and core values and all the lame organizational stuff of family. But as a parent, it sure helped me know when I wanted to correct my kids. Like if it fell outside of those five core values, maybe it's not as important. Maybe I can, Maybe that's not a mountain I want to die on today. Um, but if my son wants to quit basketball or baseball, the answer is always no until the season is done. Uh, because one of our core values is commitment. And interestingly enough, um, one of Micah's highest values now is just always showing up. Um, that's how Rachel, I think, describes him. Like, he's just always there. He's just consistent. And that was one of our core values. And then I'm thinking about Michaela, who is always growing. I mean, this girl is constantly sending me podcasts to listen to, books that I don't have time to read. Like, it's it's cool looking on this side of how those five core values Now are suddenly kind of woven into their DNA and who they are. While it didn't feel beneficial in the moment for them, I think it was, for Carrie and I, a good uh, framework for us to lead our family. Yeah. All right, so Christian Heritage, how are you guys now? As young parents, Mike, uh, Luca's five months old, Rivi is three years, and Rumi turns one this week. So how are you... Now, taking something from your family line and giving that down to your kids, is there anything that your parents did that you're like, hey, I want to I do that, I want to improve on that or whatever?
5: Something that's
0: the same from that we're... The, the same or... Sorry, re- oh, rephrase. Off. Let, let, me, let <laughs> me rephrase the question. How are you handing down a Christian heritage to your kids? And while telling us that, tell us, did you get that from your parents or are you improving the way your parents did it? Another way you could think of it is, what did your parents do right? What did your parents do wrong?
2: I think um, from, from my perspective, I think I, I feel really blessed that on both sides of the family, we've had such strong parents, um, but in different ways. Like, I would say my parents are, are so different in personality and in even just um, the way that you raised Micah and Michaela and the way that we were raised. Oh, and, you know, Jordan, yeah, everybody. But um, it, I think there's, we've been really blessed that we can now go. There are things that on both sides of the family would done so well that we want to take and implement into our family yeah. moving forward. So I think on, you can answer as well, I'm not going to answer for you, but just from what I've seen is on my side, um, my parents um, really valued service and they didn't necessarily name it as this is a family core value, but it just exuded out of everything they were. Every single thing they do, they're serving other people. And I think that's one thing that, and it was uh, one thing that was amazing about it was it didn't matter what the other person was doing or what that community was doing. It had nothing to do with what they got back. Um, and I, I'm reminded of, um, the verse in the Bible that says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Yeah. And so for me, that's one thing from my side that, that I want to pass down to my kids too, is to be people that, um, uh, allow Jesus to fill them with their needs and then they can then serve, um, outwardly. And then from your side, something, what do you want to say? i from my you side. Share, okay. <laughs>
4: um, yeah, I would agree. I think her parents are some of the most selfless people I've ever met, um, willing to, I remember chatting to your mom one day, and she said, you know, life has been hard for her, it hasn't always been easy, but she feels called, she realized that God, her, part of her calling is to serve other people, and it's just, it's a deep-rooted conviction that she has, and I, I was in tears as she was telling me, because it was so impactful, and it inspired me to want to serve, but one thing I love, um, and my parents are so hearted as well, uh, but one thing I love about my parents that I think I want to, and this is one thing me and you constantly talk about. This might be two things, but it says in Colossians 3.13, Bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. I think these guys are some of the most gracious people. For, you know, like they forgive people so quickly. I'm very quick to forgive. Um, and I think for me, what was so helpful for me was I made a lot of mistakes growing up. I wasn't perfect, but I think you guys never made me feel imperfect, and you never made me feel um, like I was, you know, had all these flaws. What you guys did was you were very great, just like Jesus did, was being able to come down to our level and say, hey, I still love you. Walk with me. And I think you guys were very good. I wasn't, I never was afraid. The reason why I was able, uh, you know, I can say as well, you guys knew. Every, I remember I was in Australia a couple of years ago, and I, I remember t- chatting to you, Dad. I was like, hey, did I ever tell you? Uh, when this happened in high school, you picked me up early because of this. I'm not going to get into details, but. Yeah, don't. Okay. Um, because of this situation. And by the way, that actually didn't happen. This was the real reason why. And I remember you going, you've told me this. I knew this already. And that was the one thing I thought I never told you. <laughs> um, but supposedly I did. And, um, but the reason why I was so willing to come to you guys was because of the grace that you had for me. And you walked me through it rather than telling me how to do it. It was, hey, it's not you need to sort this out. We will sort this out. We can do this together. And so I think the grace that you guys had for me, I now feel like I'm the most grace, gracious person towards people. I've had a lot of people do me wrong a lot. And even in the last six months, I've had a crazy journey of people trying to make accusations against me and crazy things that have happened in our world. But the reason why Rachel is saying we're consistent is also because I feel like I have a lot of grace for people because you guys have given grace to me because God has given grace to me. And so um, that's one thing that I want to be able to have for my girls and I'm praying that my girls will be able to always come to me and not feel condemned, but they would feel loved and they would feel forgiven. And I think the second thing was, one thing that Rach and I have always talked about is we want, you guys did this really well, is I actually don't, I'm sure there was stuff, um, but if there isn't, you're probably happy that I don't remember it in this moment, but, um, I actually don't remember often you guys fighting and arguing. I do remember there was times where you guys would go, let's go to our room. Let's have a conversation. And you guys would go to the room and have a conversation and you both leave not looking. Mom very happy. would say,
0: can we talk? And I would stand yeah. up and walk to the room. Yeah. Yeah. So I
4: remember you guys always going to the room and then you come back, and I could definitely tell you're trying to be happy. And it, you know, there's moments where you could tell if you did figure it out, and you still haven't figured it out, but you're just going to try to make it work. Um, but that's one thing, Rach and I have been convicted on: is not arguing in front of our kids, not trying to figure out life and marriage in front of our kids. That's something we can do. By, as in, not we can. We want them to see the messy side of us. Yeah. And but it's being intentional with.
0: Well, can um, I? Can I? the reason we do that is because we'll always, we often share a grievance about other people and we plant seeds of mistrust or doubt in others about someone else. And then we work it out with that person and we're fine and we're good, but we don't go back and pick up all the seeds that we planted in the hearts of all these other people. And so now all of these people I've gossiped to or in this scenario, mom and I could have made up and been just fine, but you guys would not have witnessed that reconciliation, so it planted seeds of instability in your heart. So, yeah, we didn't put on a fake marriage. You you definitely saw tension and, you know, on road trips, not wanting to eat at the same place. And and,
1: and I just want to say that, I mean, when hours, you were really... Hours. Go ahead. What?
0: No, nothing. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Do we need to go talk?
0: No. <laughs> no.
1: Um, I... I when, when you were really little, we did struggle with that, with openly arguing. Oh, man, and, we did. Um, and that's when we, we started going to counseling for our marriage because we knew that it was going to affect you and then affect Michaela. And so early on, we had to learn how to have healthy communication um, in front of you guys yeah. and even have a disagreement, but do it in a way that you could learn how to have that disagreement in a healthy way. And so for us, that was a journey because early on when you were little, I can remember. In fact, that's one of, one of my regrets as, as a parent is knowing that you did witness some of that early on and that's something that we had to grow in. And I say that openly because some of you struggle with that. I know I've, I've had conversations where um, parents have come and said, I struggle with Yelling or screaming or fighting with my spouse in front of my kids and I need help with that And and the good news is is that the holy spirit will help you with that And he will change your heart if you're willing and you want to do the work that's required to be better in that area
0: Yeah So let's get to the good stuff. What would you do different? Well, not that mom and I did anything wrong or bad, but is there anything that you you want to lead from a different place on? Um, you were sure quick to answer that one.
5: Well, it just it just sparked a thought. We're kind of talking about like conflict resolution, yeah. right. And something that me and Lawrence have done a lot of work on in our let me rephrase, are doing a lot of work on right now um, with a counselor is conflict resolution, because in our marriage, we have kind of gotten to conflicts and we're like, "So what do we do now, right? And I'm grateful that when you guys didn't know how to communicate in a healthy way, you would do it behind closed doors. I would say for us, we want to take it another step forward. And we want to be able to get to a place, we're not there yet, but we want to get to a place where we can be so respectful in our conflicts. It's so safe to have a conflict with each other that we can do it in front of the kids. I love that. And they'll see the resolution. So that they grow up knowing that, hey, we can have conflicts with people and we know how to resolve it. I love that. And they'll have, they'll have a script, you know? And so something that our, our counselor has taught us, and it is so awkward. I kind of have a bad attitude about it sometimes because it's weird to say the script. I'm like, but do I care about my marriage and do I care about my son Being able to grow up and and know how to navigate things like this? Yes. So I'm going to sit in the awkwardness and do what the freaking Christian counselor says. Yeah. And so the script is, I'm having some feelings. Would you like to dialogue? And uh, I'm not going to go into it because it's long. But the point is, you know, when different countries have disagreements, it has to be diplomatic because there's so many emotions involved. So why should it be different in your marriage? And so you say the script, I'm having some feelings would you like to dialogue right now? And I'm going to get to a point one day where I won't laugh when I say it, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> Lawrence is so good at it. But, um, you know, then that requires emotional awareness because you got to say, you guys had a series about emotional yeah. uh, stuff, right? Yeah. And um, and so we've come to a place where we're really good now at knowing what we're feeling, the core feeling, and we can share that. And um, And so I would say the second thing would be also you know, growing up, none of us really knew how to name what we were feeling. We didn't have language for it. We knew we were having feelings, and it was always open, and we could say that, like, I'm frustrated. Well, it's not a core emotion, you know, and so as an adult, I've struggled a lot with, ah, I'm feeling everything, and then what is it? I don't know, and Lawrence as well, and we've just really worked on trying to figure out what we're feeling and name it, and so I hope that we can also give our kids that language because I've watched you guys come, come into knowing that language too. And, and you've watched us and it's kind of changed everything (laughs) for how we navigate relationships.
0: Yeah. So Carrie and I got married a week after I turned 20 and pregnant with Micah a month after we got married. So Carrie and I literally grew up with our babies and they've seen us, you know, very dysfunctional parenting to now help bless dysfunctional parenting. Um, so we've all kind of learned together, but you're absolutely right. I, loved, I love our communication, and we were very open, but I would agree it didn't, always, it didn't always land in a good resolution because we didn't know what to do with that. Like, oh, I'm frustrated. That means do nothing, but that's not the answer. Doing nothing is not the answer, you know? So just learning to be aware of how we feel and how our feelings impact other people has been huge. Anyone else? Something positive or ch- a change that you're adding?
5: Something we talk a lot about taking from your family. I don't know if you want to share. Yeah, uh,
3: I think something that my family does well that I want that we want to keep moving forward is I feel like there's just like uh, a lot of honor for like the unity of of the family, and uh, so like different things like you know having meals together. Yeah. Um, Uh, birthdays are like really really honored and uh, even as
5: adults like i feel like that's abnormal like Mm -hmm. when an adult child is having a birthday it's like everybody's there and it's a huge deal
4: well mine's this month so
5: (laughs) well castanadas you're invited
4: (laughs) i hope it's good that's all i'm gonna say
5: (laughs) bring your guitar pedro senior
3: anyway so yeah i feel like that's something that we definitely want to take forward with our family good
5: Sorry, one more thing, too, is I love that prayer bathes everything
3: yeah.
5: in his family. Like, like, this is a silly example that didn't happen, but, like, if we were just going to go on a walk, let's pray first as a family. or You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like, it bathes everything, and I love that.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I think we're almost out of time. Let me ask, let me ask. Family issues, family problems, messy families is nothing new. We see it in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve, the forbidden fruit, and Adam blames the woman. We see it in Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. I mean, our entire world right now is in chaos in the Middle East because it all can be traced back to Abraham, Hagar, and Sarah, Ishmael, and Isaac, and family trauma and drama. I mean, really, we're on the verge of World War III because of one family that had drama thousands of years ago. So family issues, nothing new. Joseph had family issues. Jesus came from a challenging family. What would you guys say is is something that in our culture today can help ground us, root us, create strong connection in our families?
4: Um, I would say, obviously, church is probably one of the not the most important thing. Um, one thing that you know we talk about in our ministry um, is the importance of young people being in church. And and the reason why I bring that up is because I actually hear a lot of parents always asking, how do you get how do we get young people, our kids, to want to come to church? Literally, before I came here, I was speaking with a parent that was desperate to have their kids come to church um just a month ago. Um and one thing that we've always talked about, because they were saying, how do we, you know, once they turn 18, how do we make sure that their revelation and their their relationship with Jesus is their own and not just based off of ours? And I think um one thing that I've began to have a revelation about, I feel like God's really put on my heart a passion for, uh especially for the next generation, is that Um, what really keeps us in the house as a family is not the worship team, is not even, you know, lighting, production, whatever you want to call it. The building, it's not actually what keeps people in and has people stay. We always say, close the back door. We always tell our team, hey, we need to make sure that the back door is closed. We let people in. The front door is wide open, but we're going to make sure this back door is closed. We don't need people coming in and going out. What we need is we need to create an environment that we say, hey, come grab a seat. You're part of the family. You want a drink? Hey, you're not a guest anymore. This is your house. This is where the drinks are, but you have the ability to go grab whatever you want because what is ours is yours. Mm-hmm. And I think um, one thing that I've realized, and I feel like the revelation God has placed on my heart, is what's going to keep a young person in particular, and the reason I'm speaking about young people because it, it applies to adults as well, mm-hmm. is is actually the village. It's the people in it. Yeah. That's what keeps people it's not how good the worship team is. It's not even really how great the kids team is. I actually talked, I was talking to you guys about this last night. This is why I'm so passionate about youth and kids ministry is because if we have a good kids ministry and a youth ministry, when I say good, it's not really about the program. It's the people that are passionate about the people in the program. Yeah. Um, if we have a good kids team that is able to connect people with friendships. The reason why we stayed planted in church, the reason why we are c- carrying on this legacy, I actually don't think it's just all of your leadership. We've talked really highly of both of you and you guys deserve honor um, from what you have done. But I think what also kept us going was the friendships that were built from a young age. I had good friends that were Christians that I hung out with. I couldn't wait to Sunday because I knew Sunday after church, Well, I got to hang out with them during church, but after church, I knew I was going to come straight to you guys, asking, can I go over to the house? Can I hang out with them? You know, I want to hang out with my friends. And because of the friendships that was built, I believe that's what kept us in church. I think when we see young people that are 18 moving on and they don't go to church anymore, it's because they don't have those friendships. They don't have those connections. That's what really keeps you in church. So that's why you always hear churches across the world saying connect groups are the heartbeat of the church. The reason why people say they're the heartbeat of the church is because that's what keeps you in church that's what keeps you planted that's what keeps you grounded is because the bible talks about iron sharpening iron and if we're going to be the church the church is the people and we talk about this all the time but the real importance for you if you're here today is actually not just hearing the word that's important but are you sitting next to someone you are excited to sit next to today are you sitting with someone where you're like, hey, I can't wait to go to church because I'm going to see that person. I want to see how their week's been. I'm excited to see how I can bless them, how yeah. I encourage them. We had an opportunity where I felt like God literally a couple of weeks ago, and this isn't to make us look good, I promise, because I wrestled with it. But God told us to give a large sum of money to someone, and it wrecked me. But that was a moment where I was excited because I knew those people and I was excited to bless them. And if I wasn't in church, God wouldn't have given me that opportunity to bless them. And now I'm excited because I know God's going to bless us. And I didn't do it to be blessed, but I know that God is making us create space in our lives so that he could give us even more. Yeah. And so I'm expecting because the church has paved a path for so many avenues in my life to help us. And so the importance of that is actually not the building, it's not the programs, it's it's the people. And if we can get that right, showing up like, you know, next week I'm bringing the Word, which I'm excited about, but what's going to make me even more excited next week about bringing the Word is if there's people in this room that are excited to invite their friends to bring them here, because that's why we do it. We're not here to just be encouraged and to be uplifted. We're actually here to go out into the world and make disciples. But the problem is, we get so caught up on making disciples. I'm preaching now. I'm sorry. I got this from you.
0: You have the whole time next week. I know. I'm sorry. I got this from you. That's okay. You're not getting an honorary today, though. I'm just letting you know.
4: But the problem is, is we're so passionate about making disciples, which is important. But the the beginning says, go out into the world. Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge for myself every day, is am I going into the world, getting the people that need to hear him, and then, am I passionate about making disciples? Sometimes we only carry one half of that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're passionate about making disciples. Sometimes we're just passionate about evangelism. But it really, goes hand in hand. And so, what I'm saying is, the people are the most important, and we have to go get them, and we have to also be excited to do the journey with them. And I think that's what helps. What was your question? Sorry, I don't. I'm remember. preaching.
0: Yeah, it's good. I, what makes <laughs> families strong and connected? Yeah. in today's culture. And
4: so I think that's what it is. is you're saying church.
0: people, connection. People, I, yeah. I believe. I agree. Connection is the antidote to anything. Even, you know, you said something like, "If you should be excited to the person you're sitting next to. Some of them are like, well, I'm not excited about the person I'm sitting next to. But you know why you're not excited? Because you don't know them well enough. Yeah. I've even found that someone that I'm offended at, if I just got to know their heart more, so true. the offense lifts. Yeah. Connection heals everything. And as a, a recovering alcoholic... Right here. Connection is the thing that led me back to Jesus, brought me complete healing. Connection literally heals anything. So I agree 100%. Can
4: I add something real quick? Why not? I actually heard a podcast just recently that I thought was really powerful. And they were talking about the, the balance between, you know, being healed and what that is. The Bible talks about when you tell a friend your sins, then you're healed. Yeah, right. But it doesn't talk about healing when you confess your sins to God. That's right. It doesn't. And so I I thought that was a really powerful point of understanding that if you're wanting healing from addiction or you're wanting healing from something else, yes, you tell your sins to God. And that's great. And there's there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. But the healing is found in telling the friend next to you. Right.
0: Yes, absolutely. So the the cycle of addiction, now we're getting really off topic, is that we'll be addicted and we will repent to God. And then we will carry guilt and shame. So we continue yeah. repenting to God. And continuing to repent to God prevents us from reaching out to others and getting the healing, yeah. which is why we find ourselves trapped back in the addiction, because we're running from the guilt and shame, thinking it's resolved only by repentance, and that's actually not what heals us. Yeah, God created the body to heal itself. When I... When I break a finger, it's not the broken part that heals itself. It's the tissue around the broken part that heals the broken part. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Michaela, Rachel, Lawrence, anything strong connected families?
5: Yeah, well, I'm just going to piggyback off of that again because I, I feel like that really struck a chord with me and I'm sure a lot of people in the room, um, but I I couldn't agree more. I think best answer we could give is what he just said of the connection, um, and so I'm just thinking of what stops us from that. And I think that it's important as parents to really address unresolved things in your heart. When it comes to childhood, you know, a lot of times you'll even see full families that just have a specific weight of something on them. Mm -hmm. And it's like everybody has it, like every person in that family feels rejected in every circle they walk into. You know, And and that doesn't change based off of the church you go to. It's like no matter what church you go to, I feel like I'm not welcome here or I have to be fake or you know what I mean? And so I think it's important to really get help for those things and get people around you that can call out those things in a healthy way. Um, Because there's nothing like the freedom that comes with being in a community of believers where you can show up and say, my marriage is struggling. I need prayer. I need encouragement. I need you to remind me why we got married. Like we need that. And that's the point of the church. And I think, you know, I've, I've gone to recovery meetings where I just think, holy crap, I encountered Holy Spirit in there more than I've encountered at any church before because everyone's confessing their sins to one another and they don't know that it's Holy Spirit that's present with them in the room that's like breaking things off of their generational lines, but it is. And so I've just, Lawrence and I both, we have just talked so many times about like how can we help be a part of making the global church that safe space for people where we don't have this religious facade going on. And I think that if every single one of us can commit to doing that if we can go first man oof, our kids are going to be better for it. Yeah. Our city is going to be better for it. We are going to be better for it and we will find ourselves living a more whole free life than we've ever experienced before. Yeah
0: that's good. Hi my name is Trey I'm a broken believer. <laughs> I I agree because you, you look at some of these recovery programs and just the vulnerability. And I, I too have thought in AA meetings, I want to get that in the church house. Yeah. We're so busy trying to look good in the church house that nobody's healed. Right. And you got people in an AA room who use foul language and there's smoke in the room. Yeah. And you sense such an acceptance and a compassion for one another. How do they look more like Jesus than the church house? Right. I've had that question, but families are tricky. Carrie, close us out with your dream for our family. What is your dream? As our grandbabies are here, what's on your heart? What's what's exciting for you, for the generations? We, we need to get Addison married. <laughs>
1: poor Addison. Is she in here?
0: I, no. Oh
1: gosh, she's, you're in trouble.
0: I, I'm actually just kidding. The goal is not to be marriage. No, God doesn't owe not. you a marriage. Right.
1: Um,
0: singleness is a gift in itself yes, so I don't want to make anyone thing. that's single feel less than because yeah. singleness is truly you're a gift. you just trying to tease your daughter. Yeah, just teasing Addie.
1: I, um, I think I'm living the dream with my family. Obviously, I want them all in one city, right? <laughs> that would be that would be my own selfish dream. But um, my 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 dream starting out was that God would take my kids and use them wherever, however, as long as they loved Him and they knew He that that um, that He loved them, that they loved Him and He loved them and that was first and foremost my dream for my family was that all my children would love the Lord and know the Lord and they all do so my dream has been realized um and so I think for the future my dream would be that my children's children also would know the Lord and continue to serve the Lord and that um What I love is that I see a health in my children that I didn't have growing up. And so I want to see my children's children have a health that they didn't have growing up. And it just continues to go exponentially. Um, You know, my mom had a health that her family didn't have. And so to see that pattern continue is just a beautiful thing that I don't want to stop. And so as a grandparent, that's my prayer is that my children and my children's children continue to serve and know the Lord, that they love Him with their whole heart, soul and body, and that they know the love He has for them. And um, And so that that really is is my dream for my kids, is that that, that, that relationship with the Lord continues. To blossom and to grow, and that as a person, as a husband, as a wife, as a daughter, as a son, as a sibling, you know, it, it's not just mom and dad or um, father to child or mother to child. It's what's your relationship with your siblings? What's your relationship with your aunts and uncles? What's your relationship with um, those that are close to you in the family of God? Like, what's your relationship with the world? I I want to see that continue to grow in them and manifest in them as people. And we're already seeing that. And I think it's beautiful. Right.
0: I agree with all of that. All I know, y'all, I'm just stinking proud to be the Papa of River, Rumi, and Luca. And I hope these kids make more babies. Will you stand with me? I want to pray over your families today. Maybe you're in the room and and you're just sensing, not maybe it's not crisis in your family, but you are just sensing throughout this conversation that God maybe has more for your family. Will you just wave at me so I know who I'm praying for? All right, good. Let's just keep those hands up. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you just see the courage of every person lifting their hand today. I thank you that... God, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer builds in vain. I thank you that today you're willing to say yes to every home that is here, every family that has their hand raised. God, we just surrender to you. We surrender ownership to you. God, it's your house to build. God, we ask that you would step into our living rooms, into our kitchens, into our bedrooms, and that your presence would reign. Your glory would would reign. God, just your truth would reign. God, help us to be more gracious to one another. Give us Holy Spirit insights, divine insights in how to connect with our family deeper. God, I just thank you that any lids that exist, any lids from our past, from our our legacy, upline lineage, God, that you would just help us bust through them in the name of Jesus. God, let us be the one to take our future generations to deeper territory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let the church say Amen. amen man. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you guys so much. If your kids are going to camp, don't forget you have a meeting in this room immediately following service. It'll be brief. Everyone else, now that you've been to church, go be the church. We'll see you next Sunday.